Happy first of the month, everyone. It is a new episode of The Business Of. Uh, If you are new to the show, my name is Natalie Pierre-Lewis, host of the show and operator of NPL Consulting LLC, which I'll talk to you about in a bit. The Business Of is a podcast where I interview entrepreneurs in unique areas of industry. I do this for two reasons. Well, three. Uh, The first, because I'm nosy. (laughs) Um, The second is to uh, inspire you entrepreneurs out there who think that your idea isn't viable, that you can make a career out of anything. And three, to show entrepreneurs out there that it doesn't matter how out there your your you know idea is or your business is, there are still basic um, steps that you need to follow to get your business legally established, all right? So now a little bit more about me and my consulting firm, NPL Consulting LLC. Uh, what I do is I help you get your business paperwork together, things like registration, trademarks, contracts, etc. I'm a licensed attorney with a passion for helping entrepreneurs achieve their dreams. You can find everything I do at linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm and my contact info is in the show notes. I also want to let you guys know about something special that's going to be happening um, at the top of 2019 guys. Yes, Um, I and a colleague of mine, Shara Gibson, we are getting you prepared in 2019 to level up your business. We're holding a workshop where you're going to be able to get everything from your business plan to contracts to registration to trademarking. We're going to get it all done in one afternoon. So if that interests you, I want you to go to linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm and hit the link for business launch bootcamp. All right. So uh, we're going to move on to the show. This month I interview Nancy Joy Dozier. Uh, a itinerant pastor at Church of the Harvest International in Atlanta, Georgia, a certified life coach, and a self-proclaimed modern-day revivalist. My history with Nancy actually goes back a while. Uh, we went to high school together in Boston, Boston Latin School, Summa Supremi, Go Wolfpack. Um, and this conversation is really um, special to me because I feel like it comes full circle. Um, like I said, Nancy and I went to high school together, and this was before social media is what it is now. And, you know, we had kind of lost touch. And then one day on Facebook, and I see Nancy pop up and just giving that good word. And I was like, well, look at Nancy. And, you know, I delved more into her work, and I thought that she was a wonderful person to have on the show because... While we have this idea of what churches do, we don't really understand the background of what it takes to run a church. So in this conversation, Nancy really touches on the background stuff that you don't see in running a church. All of the the expenses, all of the um, careful uh, checking of employees that they have to do, background checks, all that stuff. Nancy talks about it and why running a church isn't as easy as it looks. She also talks about why contracts are extremely necessary. Yes, even in the realm of being in the church. And three, she talks about why she has a team of people to handle that stuff for her so that she can focus on God and they can focus on the legal stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Um, Here we go. 
Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Nancy, for taking the time out to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. I know that you are a busy person. Um, so according to, you know, your website and your bio, you are a pastor, a certified life coach, and what you call a modern day revivalist. Can you tell me and the audience what those things mean? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Natalie, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to be on with you and, and your audience. And um, just to have this opportunity is really, really awesome. And happy Thanksgiving, by the way, to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. <laughs> thank you. Um, so yeah, so um, in terms of a little bit about me, um, I am, you know, a pastor. I've been in ministry. Um pretty much my whole life, but, um, you know, in terms of getting certified and getting ordained and all of that, um, it's probably been right at about 10 years now. Um, and then with the life coaching, that's something that honestly, um, my husband kind of helped me come to that place of, having language for what I was naturally doing in terms of coaching people and counseling people and helping people figure out, you know, their why and helping them um, get over roadblocks and um, helping them step into their purpose. That's something that I was already kind of naturally doing. And my husband really, um, just through conversation, encouraged me to um, you know, become certified and help me to really create language for what I was already doing. Um, and so that's been happening for a few years now. And then in terms of being a modern day revivalist, um, that's just my heart. That's my passion. Um, when you think of, you know, revivalists in terms of history, you think of you know, people who really change the world by bringing the message of love, the message of Christ, the power of God through demonstration. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, they didn't just preach the gospel, but there were miracles. There was, you know, tangible experiences with God's presence. There was um, life altering things that happened, you know, that turned entire cities around or entire nations around. And really, that's something that I, um, you know, ascribe to and, and desire to be and feel that I've been called to be, um, you know, whichever um, capacity that manifests in, that's really who I am. Awesome. Now, usually at this time, I ask people, when they knew that they could, you know, turn whatever their profession is into, you know, a full-time business. But um, from personal experience and just knowing my father's an ordained minister as well, that it's a calling. It's not just a job. So when did you know that it was your calling to become an ordained minister? Um, well, just a little bit more background on me. So same with you in terms of your family. Um, my fam this is like generations in my family where, I mean, my grandparents, my parents, um, great grands, like, you know, have been serving in ministry. And so for me, I was that church kid that had a heart for God, always wanted to help people, always wanted to serve, always loved being at church, you know, cause you know, when you're the PK, when you're the preacher's kid, you're there, whether anybody else is there or not, you're yeah. there for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you practically yeah. live there. Um, and so, you know, I think as I got a little bit older, probably in my teens, my late teens, I just kind of was, um, 
you know, coming to that place where I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to be in ministry. I want to serve, you know, maybe I'll teach Sunday school or something exciting like that, but mm-hmm. I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to be a speaker. I don't want to lead. Um, I don't, I don't want to pastor because in my mind, there really had become there, there, there were these stigmas, um, and these unhealed hurts just from being a PK and seeing, you know, kind of the behind the scene things that can go down and, and, you know, just the mistreatment of even my own parents, um, in terms of people mishandling them. Um, I just decided, you know what, that's not for me, but like you said, it is a calling. And, um, I feel like in the year 2000, 2001 is really when God was like, girl, stop playing games. Like, this is what it is. <laughs> and um, 9-11 changed everything for me. Um, I, I, like most people can remember the exact date, the moment. I can remember where I was. I mean, I can remember what I was wearing. Like, it, it, it's in that much detail for me. But it was the very first day of that um, semester in college for me, which I attended an incredible school, Berkeley College of Music, and um, the very first day of classes and, you know, announcements started ringing where they were calling everybody to the main building um, due to a terrorist attack. Of course, everyone is like, oh my gosh, like if someone is playing some kind of joke, like they are never coming back to this school, you know, Mm -hmm. until we all literally were like having to file, you know, single file, go out the door. We're crawling across Boylston street. And, um, and as we go outside, there's, um, FBI, there's all kinds of, you know, armed police, riot police, all kinds. Because what we didn't know at that moment was that um, the hotel that is literally right behind the school, one of our main buildings, apparently the terrorists had had been there and that was where they stayed like the night before. Wow. And so there was bombs. Um, poli- I mean, it was it was like something out of a movie. And so we get back to the main building and, and we're watching all of the, the TV monitors and watching what's happening. And then there's that moment where everybody's trying to get on their phones, you know, to call friends and family and nothing's mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. And it's really in the midst of that moment where I felt like God said to me, hey, you don't know what's about to happen, you know, because I really was like, preparing my heart because we all were we're like we didn't know if we were gonna die like we don't what was going on and I really just started preparing my heart like God you know I repent of all my sins like you know I love you and you know I I love my family protect my friends and family because in my mind I was like this could be it this is the moment where I may never see anybody I love ever again because no one knew what was going on and I really in that moment Natalie felt like God was saying you know what you can if this is moment you can come to me alone or you can open your mouth and you can reach out to others and you can have them join you and come along um you know with you and so it changed everything because i found in the midst of my tears in the midst of fear in the midst of everything the chaos that was happening i found this supernatural strength and i say it was supernatural because i know it wasn't my own i know it was not my own strength and i began to just share the message of christ with people in that moment and i mean within about 
30 minutes, we probably had over 300, nearly 400 students who made a decision to follow Jesus, made a decision to ask for, you know, for forgiveness and, and, and to start a relationship with God. Um, people were, you know, just comforted by the presence of God in that moment, knowing that if anything should happen to them at that moment, they had peace. And so from that day on, everything changed for me because it became my mission to love people, um, to love people back to life, to um, share the message of Jesus, to be that light um, in whatever arena God would allow me to be. So that was my defining moment. Sorry, that was a really long answer. <laughs> Girl, that was a great answer. What a like, wow, what a very like um, dramatic and like <laughs> poignant way for God to be like, hey girl, this is your job now. <laughs> I mean, he really, girl, he got me, he got me. But <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful that he did because you know what? So many times, um, you know, what, whatever our profession is, whatever we, we do, like we're so self-centered, we're so focused on, you know, as long as I'm good, I, you know, then it's all good in the hood. And, and, you know, the gospel is all about others. It's all about being that bridge. It's all about, you know, sharing the love of God. And so it took, unfortunately, you know, that type of tragedy for me to see the need of those around me, you know, in the moment standing there, not only was it evident that people were hurting because of, you know, the 9-11 the attack and, and watching what was happening in our nation, but I became aware of just people's brokenness, period. And I think that's what to this day drives me. I'm aware that people are broken. I'm aware that people are wounded. I'm aware that people are looking um, for love. They're looking for healing. They're looking for life. Um, and they're looking to be whole. And so that's why I do what I do. Awesome. Um, that's a really wonderful why as to you know how you got started in what you do. Now, one of um, the things that you know people, they see pastors and they see on TV and they're- Yes. And they, they see what the church is on the outside, but they don't understand that, yes, it is a church, but it is also a business. So what are some of the like day-to-day -day business things that you have to deal with as a pastor that you like, you know, are there contracts? Like what is, what is that, you know, the boring stuff that we don't see about behind the services, behind, you know, the praise and worship? What are the day-to-day -day business things that you have to deal with as a pastor? Yeah, and I'm going to just, um, I'll, I'll kind of speak in general terms, and then I'll kind of deep dive into what it, that looks like for me. So mm -hmm. um, in, in general terms, what people don't oftentimes see or are aware of are just, you know, running a church is a lot financially. You know, if you have staff members that need to be paid, like they've got to have benefits, you've got to have insurance um you know you've got people coming in and out of a building that building needs to be insured you've got to have all kinds of different um uh, uh expenses you know on a weekly or on a monthly um monthly basis that are met to ensure that it's a safe environment. Um, you've got to have security. If you've got a children's ministry, you're going to have to have security in this day and age because people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you've got to have somebody down there or wherever your children's ministry or children's area is to ensure that kids are safe. 
when they're dropped off, um, you know, when they're walking to the bathroom, their security. And so oftentimes, you know, those are not volunteers. You've got to have professionals. You've got to have, you know, police officers that are working, you know, to ensure the safety of your children. Um, you know, if you've got vehicles that go and pick people up and drop people off and run different after school programs and outreaches, all of that takes money. It takes finances. Um, you've got to have contracts for different people that come in and out of your building for a variety of reasons, you know, to for maintenance, for cleaning, for whatever it is. So that's the stuff that, you know, people don't see, um, you know, and, and I know that in this day and age, people can be kind of harsh when it comes to churches because, you know, we have this misconception of these quote unquote mega ministries where, you know, you might see the lead pastor, you know, and, and it's, oh, well, look at where he lives or look at what he drives or whatever. But what I will say, you know, from personal experience and firsthand knowledge is the majority of these leaders, you know, they are genuine in what they do for God and in their love for people. Um, most of them don't even take a salary from their churches, you know, so when people see them in a big old house or in a nice car, it's not that they dip their hand in the offering, you know, um, they wrote a book or they, they went and they, you know, had speaking engagements and, and things of that nature. And so that's how money is generated. But, you know, it is unfortunately um, what people think, you know, negatively they think people are just taking all this money or whatever you know but um deep diving into me in terms of what i do i am not a lead pastor of a church um i do serve at a church um but i am itinerant so for me i'm you know i'm i'm traveling to different conferences different churches different events i'm speaking um, for women's groups or, you know, conferences, anniversaries, whatever it is, whatever the types of events are, um, that's the majority of what I do. And then when I'm here at home, I serve at my local church. And so um, the business side for me is, you know, I do have a writer um, that I use, I, which, you know, for people who aren't familiar, that is just, it's a, it's a basic contract um, that we do use. Um, now, it covers different things like transportation, you know, ensuring like if someone is wanting me to come out, you know, and I live in Atlanta and they want me to come to California, you know, they're going to cover my flight, they're going to cover my hotel, you know, per diem, all those kinds of things um, to ensure, you know, that I'm safe um, and, and, and can be able to get to their event and all of that. Make sure I have transportation, ground transportation once I arrive. Um, to be able to, you know, to minister to their, their, their family or their church or whatever it is. Um, now that doesn't mean, however, that there are not times because there are times when, you know, we'll get an invitation to come somewhere, you know, and, and I feel that God is telling me to just go ahead and do it. And it's not, you know, a money thing. It's not, well, they can't afford it or they can't, if I feel led to be able to just go and to serve, so there are times when I have purchased my own ticket. There are times I have paid for my own hotel because I sincerely felt like God was telling me, you need to go and you need to sow into these people. You need to serve their vision. You need to minister to them. You need to demonstrate my love and my power to them. And so there are times that that happens as well, you know, as I feel led of the spirit. But yeah, there's contracts, you know, that need to be signed. Um, there are times of people, you know, and, and the reason for that, Natalie, is 
if everybody was on the up and up, if everybody was, you know, men and women of their word, you know, and you knew that you were going to take three days or four days to fly out somewhere and preach your heart out and lay hands on all 800, 900 people that come and prophesy to everybody and everybody falls out and, you know, they have a wonderful time. And then, you know, you get to go home and the church gives you a fruit basket. If that wasn't something that had happened, you know, then we wouldn't need contracts. But because there have been times, you know, when, when people have taken advantage, you know, you have to change your mindset in this day and age and you have to be able to protect yourself and you have to be proactive and make sure people understand like, Hey, I want to serve, but this is what I'm going to need to make that happen. I have a staff. I have people that work with me. I have people that travel with me and we need to make sure that, you know, we're protecting these people that we are covering expenses and that everybody is good. Render unto Nancy her coins. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> That that's really important to know because I don't think people know exactly what it takes to run, you know, um, a spiritually based business. Which yeah. is, and yes, a church is a nonprofit, but like you said, there are expenses. You have to, you know, security. I'm sure that there are expenses in, you know, trying to vet security and hiring appropriate security. And also, Absolutely. you know, with the pastors in the church and making sure that everybody is on their P's and Q's and has all their degrees and whatnot. Absolutely. There's a lot that goes into it. Like depending, I know even in, in my local church, you know, depending on what area people are serving in, like we have to do background checks because they're exposed to children or they're exposed to families, you know, who covers that? You know what I'm saying? Like we don't tell people, Hey, you want to join the choir? you have to pay $80 to take a background check. We have to split the, you know, split the bill for that. Uh, but oh, so you do that, background checks for choir? Because they're exposed to kids, you know? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So whatever it is, you know, whatever the form um, of ministry, whether it's actual children's ministry or youth ministry or you know you're driving a van that's picking up families or things of that nature people don't think about that but somebody has to pay for those background checks for people that want to volunteer you know and they want to serve and they want to help we we have to ensure that we know who it is driving that van you know that they're not keeping any deep dark secrets that are right. going to turn around to, to, to bite us and to be harmful to kids or families or, you know, just the community at large. Very true. Very true. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Um, so what would you say is kind of the most tedious part in terms of the business of your ministry? And what is the most rewarding part? Um, wow, that's that. Yeah. Hmm. The most tedious part, I would say is um, really, honestly, for me is the contracts, you know, dealing with the writers and all of the kind of logistical things. But you know, I'm, I'm super blessed and grateful that I do have help with that. Um, and I try my best to really not even be involved in any of it. Um, when it comes to honorariums and like, you know, the writers and, and making sure that 
if we've gone somewhere that they've followed through with payment and all of that, I really try to stay out of it. And the reason for that is I never want my heart toward a specific ministry or a specific leader to be altered. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I try really, really so hard. To so do you have an intermediary who kind of negotiates the contracts? Yes. I really try to stay away from having to deal with any of uh, those kinds of details because I want my heart to really just be focused on what God wants me to say and to do, you know, to be a blessing to that leader, to be a blessing to that church. So, um, or that ministry, because sometimes it's not always, you know, it could be a parachurch ministry. Um, so I do have someone that helps me um, with the administration so I don't have to deal with it um, and, and be, you know, I can be disconnected from that element. What I would say is the most um, fulfilling, the most rewarding is that moment where people get it. And you can always sense in a room, um, you know, the aha moment where you know you're speaking or you're coaching or you're pouring into people and there's this collective moment that happens you know and i call it the anointing you know like when god steps into the room and people's hearts literally fling wide open and you know that you know that you know that they get it like they get who they are they get what their value or their worth is they understand god's heart toward them they understand that they don't have to live beneath their privilege they understand you know that they have been given power and authority that they are loved that they are accepted like when that happens in a room man like there is no there's nothing like it there's nothing like it that is the best feeling in the world awesome i remember watching um a video clip of you on facebook when you yes. know one of your um I'm sorry, I can't, my mind is blanking. One of your sermons, and I was like, look at Nancy on fire. Like, you know, you can see that passion in you when you talk. You know, yeah. you know, it's not just, you know, a job. This is like what you love to do, what you're called to do. It's like, it's in you. And yeah. one of the things that I really like about it is that you're, you're just so genuine. And I don't, you made me laugh one time. You had posted something about, y'all ain't praying, y'all ain't. <laughs> Look what came to my door, and it was like a KFC flyer. Yes, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like it's it. You know, you manage. You know, a lot of people have this idea of uh, pastors being, you know, just kind of out of touch and you know, not really knowing what's going on. But you really make it, you know, accessible to everyone, and I think that's really wonderful. Thank you so much. And that means a lot to me because, um, once again, you know, I grew up in church and I get it. You know, I think I was in that generation or I am in that generation, um, that the millennial, you know, just kind of coming out of that millennial generation where unfortunately the church suffered great loss in that a lot of my generation, you know what, they turned 17, they turned 18 and they were like, I'm out because there was no relevance to their life. There was no relevance to their experience. You know, the church wanted them to be present, but didn't necessarily want to heal their hurts or mm -hmm. speak to their realities. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we wanted them to sing what we wanted them to sing. We wanted them to dress how we wanted them to dress. We wanted them to pretend like, you know, they weren't going home to watch Punky Brewster or whatever was on TV <laughs> <laughs> because it was not holy or whatever, you know, and this is a different generation. And so I strive to be for others what I needed, if that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Remember though, you got to go to revival. They singing all those old songs, and you're like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> but you know what though? I will tell you this: the older I have gotten, um, and I don't even know that it's necessarily an age thing, but I think it's just a depth um, and an intimacy thing in my personal relationship with God. Let me tell you something: every once in a while. I'll turn on some of that old music and I will be in tears because it takes me to a place. What I do recognize about some of that older generation is that, you know what? They gave what they had, Natalie. They Mm -hmm. honestly gave what they had. They gave what they knew because the truth is you cannot give what you do not have. And so even in requiring, you know, our, our generation to look a certain way or dress a certain way or sing a certain type of song, it was the best they could do. Right. You know, and it never came from a malicious place. Like it came from the purest heart. And so for me, sometimes, you know, um, especially of late, like I'll bust out of him and like just be in tears because the power in those words, like really resonate with me but it always also takes me back like I can think of my grandmother and her faith you know she believed with all of her heart like I can hear her sing those songs in several different languages in English and Creole and French like I can hear her and I can recall the faith that I heard in her voice like she believed with all of her heart that this God that she sang about was real you know and so for me I think at this point in my journey in my relationship I have developed an appreciation for that and um I've come to the place where I can forgive that generation because they couldn't give me something that I I needed Mm -hmm. um the truth is they didn't have it to give and they didn't know better, you know? So when you know better, you do better. Very much so. Um, what would you say is your, um, the, the accomplishment that you are most proud of in your career? Oh, wow. Um, there's a lot. I, I would say what I, and that sounded kind of sketchy. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm just so wonderful. I've got all these accomplishments. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> the bomb.com. No, sir. I'm, I'm playing. What I would be the proudest of, um, I've been very intentional in what I call duplicating myself. And what I mean by that is mentoring, um, poor, or sometimes I'll use the terminology, pouring into others um, because I don't believe that I should be the only voice that's heard. I don't believe that I should be the only one that holds a microphone or the only one that leads or the only one whose gifting gets to be platformed. Mm-hmm. And so I have been very intentional in building up others around me in, 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 
um, creating opportunities for them to be platformed, for them to um, express, you know, their giftings, um, creating avenues for them to be able to share what's on their heart, to share their own unique um expression of their relationship with God or their own gifting, their own passion. And so for me, seeing the people that I've had the opportunity to um, mentor, um, to pour into when I see them walking in their purpose, when I see them being able to stand on their own in their own gifting, that to me is the greatest accomplishment. Um, and it just it just makes my heart get like just super big, you know, just so full of gratitude because at the end of the day, you know, if you don't duplicate yourself, like if you don't share the knowledge that you have, if you don't share um, the things that you have experienced, you know, good or bad, you know, there's no beneficiary. Like once you're gone, it's gone. <laughs> so being able to pour that into another generation or other people around me, um, that's the greatest accomplishment um, that I would say. Awesome. Um, oh, that's so wonderful. Like little Nancy's popping up everywhere. <laughs> Girl, that is the plan. But you know what? That's the gospel. You know, that is the gospel. Like, I believe that with all of my heart. Jesus said, you know, go into all the world, make disciples. Like, what are you doing if you're not making disciples? How, how are you fulfilling the Great Commission? Like, that's all he wanted. You know, that's what Jesus was all about. He started out with 12 and he had set um or he he set an example he set a format for us to be able to follow he exemplified something that he wanted us to do and i love that about god by the way because i honestly feel like there's nothing god ever requires of me or of any of us that he hasn't first done himself or exemplified himself and so jesus had 12 you know, and then within the 12, he, he had a closer circle that was made up of three. And then he had an even closer relationship that was the one, which was John, you know, and even in that, once again, he established a format for mentoring or for, you know, pouring into others. There are some that are going to be part of the multitude, people that just come around, you know, because you've given out free spaghetti dinners or whatever, you know, um, and VBS or whatever. And then there's those that are more invested and want to grow and want to be developed. That's your 12. Then in your 12, he had the three, which were closer to him. He spent the more, more time with them. And then he had the one, you know, so once again, establishing a pattern. And I really try to, you know, live according to that, um, and keep myself with, um, with that in mind at all times, you know, who are you pouring into? I'm intentional in how I schedule my time and making sure that, you know, every month, every week, I've got somebody that I'm going to take time to be with to pour into. Awesome. Um, you mentioned VBS. What does that stand for, please? Ah, I'm so sorry, y'all. That's church talk. Vacation Bible School. If oh, okay. You did not go to vacation Bible school as a child. You were robbed. I'm telling you, vacation <laughs> Bible school was the stuff. I'm telling you, we lived for it. It was like <laughs> a camp on steroids. You know, it was crazy. It was like Jesus camp. Amazing stuff. I loved okay. it. I don't think I ever went to a vacation Bible school. Like we would have it like during the day, but it wasn't anything where, you know, you were an overnight thing or anything. 
Girl, it's not too late. I can make it happen for you. <laughs> Adult vacation Bible school. <laughs> I still try to sneak. When, when our church does them, every once in a while, I will sneak right on down there and I will fight a child to bob an apple. I'm not You are hilarious. Don't be uh, fighting nobody's baby for an apple. As we close, <laughs> I just imagine you fighting with a child. I'm not scared of no six-year-olds. You hear me? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and so we've talked about what your proudest accomplishment is. What do you ultimately see is the, is the goal for yourself as, you know, pastor Dozier or life coach, coach, uh, Dozier or, you know, modern revivalist Dozier. What do you want to see in the future? If you, you know, if you could, if you can create it in, in, or, you know, what your vision is, what do you want? Absolutely. That's an excellent question. Um, and for me, of course, it, that's um, a multi-tiered question because there's a lot that I desire to do. Um, for one, I truly feel um, that I want to be impactful, not just within the four walls of the church. I'm not one that would, you know, where I can even honestly say I'm called to the church. Some people can say that and they mean it and they're genuine in that. I don't feel that way. I know that I serve, you know, within the body of Christ. I serve within churches and that will never end. Um, I equip people. Um, I will mentor people. I will disciple people. That's never going to stop. However, I do feel that there is an element of my assignment and my calling that is um, for the marketplace. I love um, pastoring people that are entrepreneurs. Um, you know, so for me, that looks more like a personal pastor role where I am um, coaching and pastoring Fortune 500 um, type leaders, simply because I feel like there is a lack um, of focus on really reaching those types of individuals because, um, you know, there are so many different um, stigmas once again, you know, where the church sometimes will, um, kind of eliminate a certain type of person because of whatever we think of them and their type of business or their type of, you know, lifestyle or whatever. And so we're not as intentional in reaching for that person. I want to be able to reach those kinds of people. And I've been blessed so far, um, in my journey to have those opportunities to be able to sit at some of those tables, you know, with people that are in politics, with people that are, you know, um, in, in the financial world and people that are um, in the nonprofit world, um, you know, all kinds of different entrepreneurs. I really feel that that for me is a, a is going to be the next wave um, of ministry. Um, I don't feel that my ministry is called to be conventional. Um, I don't feel that it's called to only exist within the four walls. And so that, um, you know, that element for me is something that I'm pursuing and I feel like it's going to be a huge focus for me in the years to come. Um, and then of course, um, just even on a more personal note, um, you know, I'm writing. Um, so I look forward to being able to publish more books. Um, I look forward to being able to have a lifestyle brand, um, you know, just because I can. <laughs> <laughs> 
sky's the limit. <laughs> the sky is the limit. You know, who says that you cannot just because you're a pastor or you're a woman? Um, and that's another thing, you know, being a female who's in ministry, like, there's so many things that, you know, the previous generation has had to overcome, but there's still so much that is still yet to be overcome. And so I am um, resolute um, in being a voice um, and in creating paths for other women um, to be able to step into ministry and, and have the benefit of my experiences and my stories to help them navigate um, as well. Awesome. Look at you with all these goals, man. I'm going to keep my eye on you, girl. Girl, I got goals. I got goals in these streets. That's right. She's a gold digger. Gold digger. That's it. Um, what advice would you give to someone who has, you know, an idea to be an entrepreneur or maybe thinks that they might want to go into, feels they're called into ministry, not that they want to go into it, but, you know, has some type of thing where they just kind of want to branch out, but they are scared. What advice do you have for them? Wow. Well, here's, here's what I do know. Um, anything that you do that is worth doing should scare the mess out of you. Oh, okay. It should scare the mess out of you because that means that you're going to have to depend on God to make it happen. Um, because if you're, you're completely, you know, unfazed by it, then one, you don't need God's help. And two, it's probably not big enough because any time God is going to give you an assignment, it's going to be so big that it requires his participation. And so when it's mm -hmm. just the size that you can achieve or attain on your own, it's not God and you don't need him to do it. And it's probably not going to make a big difference. The only thing that it's going to do is make you feel like you crossed something off of your checklist. And so I think fear is not as negative as we make it out to be um, because it keeps us grounded. Now, um, I also would say that it's, it's what you do with that fear, you know? So once you acknowledge that God has called you to do something and maybe it scares you, you know, and you're like, there's no way, like I can't afford it. I don't have the money to start. I don't know the right people. I don't have the, the resources. I, I've never spoken in front of people or whatever your, your reasons, you know, may be, or the things that cause you to be fearful may be. Um, I think the next step really is surrounding yourself with community, connect yourself to people that are excelling, connect yourself to people that are willing to sit down and have conversation, you know, and, and, and pour into you so that you can begin to learn rapidly. Um, and, and maybe avoid some of the, the things that they've experienced, you know, so that you're starting off on a better foot. Um, so that's one of the main things I would really tell somebody that, and especially in terms of ministry, like when it comes to ministry, like if it doesn't freak you out even a little bit, please don't do it. Please don't hey. do it. Hey, words from Pastor Nancy Joy Dozier. Listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where can people find you if they want to come to your church, if they want to hear your sermons, tell them everywhere and anywhere they can find you. Yes. Okay. So definitely hit up my website, which is www.nancyjoydozier.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-J-O-Y-D-O-Z-I-E-R.com. And then I'm on every social media platform. So 
definitely follow on Instagram, Nancy Joy Dozier, um, Twitter, Nancy Joy Dozier on Facebook. Um, you can find me there as well and um, can have access to a lot of, you know, the messages and videos and resources. Um, even in terms of like the coaching, you can reach out to me, hit me up on my contacts um, uh, link on my website. If you're interested in, you know, the personal pastoring or the coaching, you can hit me up there. Um, and I just want to, I love being able to, you know, talk to people. I have people that inbox all the time or messages to my website and they're like, Hey, will you pray with me? You know, I need a miracle. My husband is in the hospital or, you know, my child is sick or whatever. I'm here for it. Like I want to be able to partner with you and pray with you. So definitely reach out. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much, Nancy. I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, and as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, Nancy and I went to high school together. We did. Supreme. All right. Lady Boys. Wolfpack. <laughs> yes. But um, thank you again, Nancy. And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you so much, Natalie. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And thank you all, audience, for listening. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Don't hang up yet. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It was so great catching up with Nancy. If you are interested in any of her many talents and services or you want to visit her church, um, all of her information is in the show notes. As well, if you're interested in having me help you get your business legally established, I want you to go to linktree forward slash NPL Consulting Firm and book a free 15-minute consultation. I would love to talk to you. As well, remember that January 19, 2019 will be the date of my business launch boot camp. So if you just want to knock out all that business stuff in one afternoon, Go to businesslaunchbootcamp.eventbrite.com and get your tickets today. I will talk to you guys next month. Bye.